Hello everybody, happy Friday, happy Euro 2020 kickoff day. Of course, uh, this evening is Italy, isn't it? Against, uh, oh, hang on, let me consult my wall chart. I've copied uh, Dave behind me and uh, I've managed to get one there. Turkey tonight in Rome, which is going to be uh, which is going to be very good. Looking forward to watching that uh, first Norwich player in action, Timu Puki. Uh, it's tomorrow, I believe, isn't it? Saturday, um, which against Denmark and... And hopefully, we're hoping, judging by his latest Instagram post, that he's going to be fit and available for that. But we're not here to talk about the Euros. We're here to uh, talk about some Norwich City transfer rumours, targets, speculation, all of which seems to have calmed down in the last week or so, uh, mainly because of the, the BK8 saga. And we don't want to particularly draw too much on that. We've spoken about that. If you want to go and listen to our recent podcast, and uh, our websites are full of content around that, including uh, our, our thoughts on that. So um, well worth checking out if you're, if you're after any more of that. Um, one of our colleagues did a, a good piece looking at them as a company as well, if you want a bit more of background information. But um, I think everyone's probably a little bit sick of BK8. Uh, and hopefully we can park that and, and not talk too much about that today um dave how are you looking forward to the euros which which kick off tonight uh yeah reasonably um big news in freezer towers connor um go for sorry, it I'm, I'm just putting this on our facebook page <laughs> just trying to get it to low um we have lived in this house for two years but today we finally have a patio laid in the garden so uh, my dad and his mate have been out working hard in the in the heat so um uh, I've got nothing to complain about today, which is uh, which is great news. But yeah, I'm, I suppose yeah, looking forward to it all getting started. I, I'm sort of intrigued to see what it's all like. Really, a major tournament with limited fans. But yeah, it'd be uh, there's a Finland press conference today, isn't there, or this evening? So hopefully we'll get a bit of a steer on whether Pukki's going to be playing. But he is been he's been training and stuff, hasn't he? And he's back on his way back. But you'd have thought he'll be at the very least he's going to be on on the bench against Denmark in Copenhagen. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's it's going to be a fascinating tournament for a host of reasons. That's before we get into anything England related, which um, of course that that side of it and how they're going to do, I think, is going to be interesting. Home advantage, of course, for the first time since mm. Euro '96. So whether that makes a difference or not, we shall see. Probably some concerns about the defence, but anyway, we we digress. Um, Dave, uh, I guess I'll, I'll leave it to you in terms of where do you want to start? Do you want to touch upon Emi Buendia? I feel like we kind of be, sort of spoken everything there is to to say about him. Do you want to start with? With Angus Gunn, I'll, I'll be led with you, really. There you go. Tony's whacked up a graphic of Emi Buendia, so yeah. I suppose we should probably touch on, on his exit getting officially confirmed yesterday. I think we should, yeah. They, they needed to get it done, didn't they? And him being away with Argentina obviously created a little bit of an awkward position. If you have a look at the way that Villa have announced it, that's probably not how they would want to announce their club record signing. Uh, there's no interview with him. Strangely, he's not done anything on social media yet, has he? Which is, uh, well, other than a very small sort of uh, farewell to Norwich. Um, normally, there would be, you know, videos on their channels and things like that. So I guess they got to the point where both clubs had announced it on Monday, so they needed to get it done. But yep, yeah, 33 million up front rising to 38 million in um, additional uh, performance related fees if it reaches that and then that 10% sell on fee which if Emmy were to continue progressing at the rate that he does and then goes on to a uh, a big move in the future then clearly it would take it beyond 40 million one day and I think some people seem to have got 40 million fixed in their mind Stuart Webber never said that figure on the record did he he always his official on the record quote was there would be a three starting at it and you would have to break our club record, which they have done significantly. The Godfrey deal was 25 million up front. So that has held out to be true. And, and, and I have to be honest, I don't think you're going to get much more than that for a player who isn't proven in the Premier League. OK, he did have some very good creative numbers in a season when Norwich finished bottom of the table, when he got sent off, when he made some a couple of big mistakes and got dropped. Let's not forget after that Watford game, um, they then went to Everton and won without him, didn't they? When Kenny McLean was moved into the 10 role and Campbell played well. So the Premier League season wasn't an, a, a resounding success for Emmy. I think we all feel he has now kicked on and he's become a different player. He, as Stuart said in his comments, it's been a, it's been a journey, hasn't it, with Emmy? We've really seen him grow and mature and fulfil his potential. And he is ready for a club like Villa. He's ready to be a big player for them. As when we spoke to Jeremy Goss in our pod earlier in the week, it will, will be very interesting to see if they could make Grealish and Emmy work in the same team. Um, it sounds from the Villa end that they think that he is more of a replacement for Ross Barkley than Grealish. But we'll see if Man City stump up 100 million for Jack because he's had a great Euros, then that, that could all change and Emmy becomes the main man. But... We don't really care too much about that. I think the one thing I'd probably finally say on Emmy is that, that Stuart Weber has made it perfectly clear in those comments, as it was confirmed yesterday, left with little option was the phrase that he said. Emmy said he wanted to leave. He wanted to go to Villa. 
The Athletic have reported that Emmy was on 15 grand in the championship, that that would have risen to 35 grand in the Premier League and that Villa are going to pay him 80 grand a week. Now, I don't think any Norwich City fan of a sensible mind is suggesting that Norwich should be trying to pay anyone 80 grand a week this season. They are a million miles away from being able to pay that sort of wage at the moment. Um, maybe one day in the future, hopefully one day in the future, as Daniel Farker and Weather have both said at times, they want to spend money. They want to get the club into that Premier League stability where they can invest a bit more. They don't enjoy having to penny pinch all the time and having to search for these um, unearthed diamonds and gems and things like that, whatever sort of cliche you want to throw at it. One day they would like to be buying players for 15, 20 million as well. All managers do at, at this kind of a level. So that if you work that out over a five year contract, that's over 20 million pounds. You know, he'll pay tax on that and things like that as well. So it's not like that all of that will go in his pocket. He may not see out the full five years. He might move on. But I think that is hopefully just brought a bit of realism to the situation in terms of the finances that's involved. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is a, a massive move financially for him. Very young family as well. It's it's worth noting um, yeah. uh, as well. And I noticed his, his uh, partner put something on social media last night saying thanks for the memories to Norwich, similarly to he did in, in an Instagram story. But beyond that, we haven't seen anything yet. Of course, he's he's um, been chopped from the Copper America squad, hasn't he, yeah. for, for Argentina? Um, although there's some doubt about one uh, player, I think, uh, Romero, who's um, tested positive for, for COVID so it might be they need a replacement for him so I think it remains to be seen how that final squad exactly looks but as things stand he's, he's not going to be playing in the Copper America of course didn't make the the, the, the match day squads did he for in, in either of those World Cup qualifiers and it's going to be interesting to see what he, what he does at Aston Villa and equally where they play him because Dean Smith in his quotes yesterday uh, yeah. made it very clear that he sees him as a number 10 as well as someone who can play on the right where he where he sort of we're all familiar with him um, playing for Norwich um, let's move to, to incomings then David and, and the best we we better start with Angus Gunn really that's been the big news of the week isn't it we, we first reported the interest last month um, that, that Norwich were, were kind of looking at him as they kind of look for a, a long-term solution, probably fair to say, to, to Tim Krull's understudy. Of course, they signed all in Ireland in, in, in January after a major operation and uh, and whatnot. He's, he's, um, that, that was always going to be reviewed in the summer. Looks like he's now very unlikely to stay at the club with the name emerging being Angus Gunn, which of course is not just emotional for Norwich City fans in terms of the history behind that surname, but also a player that they're very familiar with from that loan spell a few seasons ago. Yeah, I'll give you the credit, mate, because you can't say it yourself, but you're, you're <laughs> the one that broke the story a, a few weeks back when you got a, a little whisper that it was Angus and Christian Walton at Brighton, wasn't it, who who were on their list, probably with others as well, no doubt. Um, it was a situation that they needed to resolve. Um, it sounds like all your Nealand will be confirmed as not staying with Norwich at some point um, in the next week or so. We've got a, a rumour um, on the websites today that he's uh, potentially going to Hamburg. They they want him. That would be back to the Bundesliga too. But Hamburg's a massive club in Germany, isn't it? They, they are below the level they should be at. Their stadium is nearly 60,000 capacity. They you know, won the European Cup in the 80s and stuff. They're, they're a huge club, aren't they? So they keep missing out on the promotion playoffs in the, I think it's three, three seasons in a row they finished fourth. So, if that's the move for him, that sounds like a good move. If he's going to go and be a number one at a, a club like that, fair play. Um, and that's how Stuart Webber pitched it to us, wasn't it, when we were down at Colney, that, you know, at his age, 30, Norway international, he's had to take a bit of a step back. He left Villa. He's had to rebuild his fitness after a back operation. He um, wants to assess his options. And Norwich equally, you know, wanted to assess their options and maybe weren't quite convinced that he was the right man to be the number two. But, if that was how it worked out, they probably would have been happy with him. So now that the move for Angus has opened up, Southampton are willing to take a significant loss, potentially. I mean, sounds like it's five million up front, although two and a half million is the initial payment and then performance related fees, etc. could take up to about 10 million. And the one thing, as I said last week, when we discussed this, I, I think that's a good deal. You know, five million for a player who has been in the England squad before. He was third in Norwich's player of the season in 2018 behind Madison and Hanley, who Norwich fans know is a good goalkeeper. If he can just get himself back on track, um, had a bit of an unlucky spell at, at Stoke last year. And and equally, the way that Southampton binned him off was a bit unfair as well. I think he they basically blamed him for the 9-0 defeat. You, I, I watched those highlight, highlights back again this week. Maybe one of the goals you could say was an error. 
some of them he could have done better for. Obviously, he conceded nine goals. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he was, he was completely innocent in the in it, but it was a soaking wet night in driving rain, wasn't it? They had a man sent off at 1-0. So the way that he, Southampton have just ditched him seems a little bit harsh to me. So if that ever ends up getting towards 10 million, then that means Norwich will be established in the Premier League. Angus Gunn will be doing very well and probably be in an international setup again, whether that's England or Scotland, who, who knows now at this stage, because he's still got Scotland as an option for him, hasn't he? So if it ends up being 10 million, that's a good story. And then he will he will be brilliant value, you would imagine, if it ever reaches that. If not, Tim Krull's been a good number one and hopefully Norwich have stayed up. I don't really see that it's a, a losing situation for Norwich. It seems like a sensible business. You know, he's a player that cares about the club, that's going to work hard, that knows how Daniel Farker wants to work. For me, if that's one they can get across the line, which hopefully they will, I think it's a really good bit of business. Yeah, and everything we've heard seems to indicate that maybe within the next week or so, that is one that they can drag across the line and most likely be their, their first senior signing of the summer. Of course, Kenny Coker arrived from, from South End in the under-18, but yeah. not someone who's, who's going to see any chance of, of first-team football um, at any point soon. A lot of the figures that I'm sure people have seen and, and, and questioned um, will have undoubtedly, I, I would imagine, come from the Southampton end as, as they're keen to maybe... Um, highlight the the fee that they've that they've got whether that includes add-ons or doesn't because if, if they're seen to be making a major loss and certainly from our understanding it's it's 2.5 million initially um that is that's a major loss they may depending on on what fee you believe probably around the 10 million pound loss on on angus um in, in total which is obviously drastic for any football club particularly one that's South, like southampton that, that sort of prides itself on getting good fees for players as they progress um so so there we go I, I think it is probably a bit more modest and as you mentioned there a lot of those figures will be will come from performance-based add-ons uh how realistic they are at this stage you don't know but you mentioned if they all get triggered and we do see a deal in the end that, that goes up to 10 million pounds and that's going to be because angus has done incredibly well in in, in an orange shirt which is something that that we um that we all hope to see if if that deal does get across the line and um, we've had an interesting comment on youtube from alex who said uh, what's guns incoming going to do to stump the progress of all the young keepers getting into the first team like daniel barden ash Knoxborough, archie mayor i suppose we could we could throw into that category as well do you think it will act as almost a, a roadblock for those young goalkeepers i suppose now we need to see dan barden out on loan livingston has been mentioned doesn't it in the scottish premiership which would be a fantastic move if, if he could get first in football. Oxborough is obviously returning from a, from an injury. Of course, he was on trial at South End with a view to a, a loan move when he got that injury, which was which was a shame. It scuppered his progress last season after a good South year. Good, it? That's it. Yeah, after yeah. A, 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 a good loan at sort of National League South level, and, and Archie Mayer as well did did well at Kings Lynn by all accounts. So, how how do you think Gunn's arrival will impact? those young goalkeepers because we know Norwich is so meticulous in terms of their sort of pathway planning. Yeah, I think this comes down to, we quite often get the question, don't we, who's the next academy player to break through? They're already in the squad at the moment. You've already got Mumba, Martin, Omabama, Delhi. I mean, Max is still only 20, isn't he? <laughs> you know, Campwell, um, Dan Barden has impressed. I, th I think he really has impressed inside the club as well as obviously as outside the club. He seems like someone that could have a genuine uh, chance of one day pushing to be a Norwich goalkeeper in the Premier League maybe not uh, we, we shall see um, but it's about that production line continuing to produce and if not they're sold on for a profit hopefully um, you know Dan's just won his first Wales under 21 cap Archie Mayer's just won his first Scotland under 21 cap I see all those three including Aston clearly because he's coming back from an Achilles injury as well which is a, you know a serious one for a goalkeeper it's for all players obviously but in terms of your goal kicks and things like that and, and your distribution and Achilles injury is a tough one for a keeper. And uh, I saw, I think it was on his Instagram the other day, wasn't it him? He was running in like the, the outdoor sand pit um, at Colney, which um, I guess is um, uh, put sort of that extra strain on your, um, uh, no, no, sorry, lessens the strain on when you're running on, on hard ground. I, I would imagine, I don't know, I'm not an expert on that sort of thing, but yeah, those three, I would imagine they'll all be out on loan. You know, Michael McGovern signed a new two year deal. They trust him. They like him. He is the third choice essentially, isn't he? So um, I think, yeah, with it being promotion to the Premier League, the chances of any of those three being anywhere near the first team this year were, were pretty slim anyway. 
Yeah, and, and astronauts were at, at Salford, as you mentioned, Dave, just to correct. I think I said South End in there. I was thinking about Kenny <laughs> yeah. Coker. That's why. Um, obviously, I had South End on the brain. But you're right. And Daniel Farker spoke about this, didn't he? Um, I think early May when he said that Norwich, whatever happens, want a, a real solid free in terms of their Premier League option goalkeepers. Obviously, Tim Krul's the, the number one at the moment. I think that's that's fairly undisputed by the, the vast majority, if not all Norwich fans. Uh, you've obviously got Michael McGovern, who's, who's signed a new two-year deal with extra coaching responsibilities and mentoring some of those young players. And no doubt he'll be pivotal as uh, as, as the majority of them, I, I imagine, head off on, on loans this season. And then it's just that, that two spot, isn't it, which Angus will be looking to come in. But equally, you can take the long-term perspective and say, well, Krul is 33. There will come a point naturally where maybe Gunn gets to a stage where he overtakes him or there's a little bit of a drop off from Cruel, or as we spoke about last week Cruel could move elsewhere all of these possibilities will come into Norwich's thinking and actually we could be sitting here in two three years time going oh, it's five million for Angus Gunn wasn't that an absolute bargain at the time so no doubt this will be as Norwich like to do with the mid and the long term in future as well in terms of that goalkeeping position 25 is still incredibly young he could still feasibly have 10 years of his career ahead of him Absolutely. And, and £5 million is nothing in Premier League terms. You know, as we said earlier, we, from what we understand, they're not paying £5 million in one chunk up front anyway. Um, but even if it was, that's nothing for a Premier League player. Your, your standard Premier League transfer nowadays is about £15 million, something like that, isn't it? As I said earlier, this is a guy that Gareth Southgate thought was good enough to be in the England squad when Jack Butland got injured while he was on loan at Norwich. Uh, and he was on the bench for, for a game against Brazil at Wembley. So... A bit like Ben Gibson, I suppose, potentially. And, you know, you think how much Norwich have, have paid for him. That's what, eight million to make that permanent from Burnley when when that'll be confirmed. That we expect that'll probably um the start of July when they actually properly confirm him in your new list, don't we? But um yeah, we shall see. I, I think it ticks a lot of boxes. It could end up being that Tim Krull has another great season, Norwich stay up, and Angus doesn't get anywhere near it and he has to move on again. But it's always that little bit more difficult for goalkeepers, isn't it, in, in trying to find a, a number one position. Uh, it didn't work out for him at Stoke. He knows that he's trusted and liked here. Um, and and with a keeper, you you know that, uh, wrongly or rightly, because it's that weird dynamic, isn't it, that keepers are really close. They train together day in, day out. They push each other as hard as possible and support each other a lot. But if Tim Krull gets an injury, that potentially changes the course of Angus Gunn's career. As we saw with Ralph Fairman, who follows onto this nicely, doesn't it, in that he was strong, experienced competition, a guy who played a fair bit in the Champions League and a lot in the Bundesliga. And whether Tim has ever admitted it or not, which I don't think he really has ever sort of agreed along those lines, um, that guy was there pushing him hard, wasn't it? And then was really unlucky. When his chance came, he had that groin problem, didn't he? He tried to play so that he took his chance. And then, what, he lasted 20 two minutes at some, or something at Palace, wasn't it? And he, and he was injured and it all went wrong for him. So, yeah, keepers is a little bit different to outfield. You you sometimes have to take a little bit of a uh, of a gamble and, and hope things pay off for you. Yeah, and Ralph Fearman didn't arrive at Norwich to be number two behind Tim Krul, did he? particularly with that, that pedigree that you mentioned there. So, yeah. hopefully a, a similar competitor because at the moment you, there's probably an argument to say that, that that Tim doesn't really have one at the moment will help him push his level even further into the Premier League, closer to what we saw, uh, as you mentioned, two seasons ago, where he was he was voted Player of the Season and was absolutely tremendous. Um, just finally on on Angus, then Dave, is there an element of career revival here? Is is that too strong after what happened at Southampton? You mentioned kind of how he was how he's sort of cut out after that that big loss to to Leicester nine nil, horrendous. But as you, uh, I'm with you really. I didn't think majorly it was it was his fault. He he obviously did so well last time at Norwich, played every single league game. We pretty much earned him that that move to Southampton. They definitely paid in excess of ten million, probably between ten and fifteen, depending on which source you you want to cite. There is a, a very talented goalkeeper in there. Clearly, it hasn't happened for him in in the last year or so since that defeat. Really. Is there an element of what we've seen before with with Norwich signings of them picking someone up at a fairly low ebb in their career and transforming them back up? Can you kind of see that again? Yeah, I think that's a reasonable point. They, yeah, it is probably. Uh, I described it as him being at a crossroads rather than having to sort of rebuild his career. I think he's at a delicate point. But as you said a little while ago, he's twenty five. He's still pretty young for a goalkeeper. He's still got a decent bit of experience at this point at a good level. You know, having, having to get 15, 18, under twenty one caps or something like that. Um, up up until he was knocked out of things at Southampton, Ralph Hasenhutl had come in and he liked what he saw. He the distribution side of things meant that he dropped Alex McCarthy, made Alex Gunn his number, uh, 
Angus Gunn, his number one, quite quickly. So this is a guy with Premier League potential. This is a guy that Pep Guardiola gave a long-term contract to in his first season at Manchester City and saw him as good enough to be on the bench in the Premier League and the Champions League for quite a few games in, the, in his first season in England. Um, so, yes, there's definitely untapped potential, I think, there. And that's always something Norwich are going to be looking to do. And um, as I wrote in a piece earlier this week, I, I think with Krull as well, if you look at next summer, Krull's, what, 33 now? If he keeps Norwich up and he's played for Holland at the Euros, there's a very good chance that he's going to have suitors. You know, I think all Norwich fans would say that Tim would be a brilliant number two for one of the big boys, you know, for Man United or Chelsea or whoever, when they, they are looking for, you know, even more to the extreme of what we're talking about here. They really want strong cover as their number two because potentially their number two plays more cup games and when things get busy, they, they come in uh, more often, don't they? Tim is definitely capable of being that. And we all know he's got such a great character as well that he'd be a brilliant person to, to put in. And that, that again, would potentially be his last opportunity to play European football and things like that and, and get that last big contract if that's where he sees his career going. Equally, if things don't go well this season and Norwich are going back down and they've been relegated, I can't see Tim Krul having another tour of duty in, in the Championship, really. I think he's beyond that at this point. And then you've got Angus ready-made, um, you've got a championship number one ready to go. So I can't really see any downsides with it because even if Angus doesn't play much football this season, he's not going to be in a position where he's going to be causing a fuss and kicking off um, because he's got the club's best interests at heart and his family are so embedded in Norfolk. And he also had a little girl in... It was not long before I interviewed him in, in what October last year, I think it was. So him and his partner are probably looking for that bit of stability in their lives as well. So, yeah, if they can get it across the line, then I think it's, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, he's currently on holiday, Angus. So uh, we, we may need to wait for him to return and quarantine and, and do all of the relevant stuff before um, before that that does get to the stage where we're close to, to confirming it. But certainly uh, well down the track with that. Or I guess the final point in terms of the structure of that deal probably won't be too dissimilar to maybe the vast majority which Norwich do this summer in terms of being creative with it. I think Stuart Weber said that they would have to be fairly creative with, with how they structure deals and whatnot. So we may see a big difference in terms of how fees are announced elsewhere to maybe what, what we understand them to be. But um, it, it's going to be an interesting summer in that regard with, with obviously the COVID market. Um, Dave, let's let's move on to the, the reports that we had late last night in Bosnia that uh, you're going to have to um, excuse my pronunciation, but I'm going to go for Stefan Lonka was um, pretty much um, Bosnia media basically saying that he was going to become a Norwich player. Three, was it three, mil three million euro fee agreed? And um, yeah. there was a, a 30% sell-on for Rijeka, who, is, who he's playing for at the moment. Josip Dermic spent um, the second half of, of last season on loan there in, in Croatia. It's one that we've, we've well, it's, it's been reported throughout the summer at least. But uh, as we understand it, he's certainly not on the cusp of becoming a Norwich player. No, this was different in terms of a lot of the transfer rumours and stuff that we end up picking up and try and put into our context and give our verdict and things like that. Um, they don't uh, usually say he is signing, that he's in talks, he's going to be signing by the end of June, as this uh, story had put it. And it's uh, a Bosnian outlet called Sport Sport. So they are coming at it from the angle of his former club in Bosnia, who would have been making a... a profit from the sell-on fee is basically the angle they were coming at it from who I presume this would be major money for them even if it's I don't know say 10% and they're making 300 grand or something I'd imagine to a club in Bosnia that's a big deal so that's where they were coming at it from and they were basically saying that Norwich is signing him but um we managed to get uh, a bit of a steer on that fairly, uh, you know, spoke to our sources and stuff and uh, were able to knock that down quite quickly, really. It sounds like it's not even close to true that Norwich, you know, they probably will have scouted him at some point. They obviously will have seen him because, like you say, Dermich was was playing there, but they're not chasing him. They're not on the verge of signing him. Um, he does fit the sort of profile of what we're maybe thinking Norwich are going to be looking at. You know, he's a Bosnia international. He's somebody who would probably just about get a work permit, although it's difficult to say exactly at the moment, isn't it? We're all sort of waiting to see if those rules will be tweaked and stuff over the summer. But uh, I think he would have just about got over the 15 points. But he's been playing in the Europa League. They finished third in Croatia and things like that. So, um, but no, the report was wrong. We managed to knock it down quite quickly. And uh, as far as we understand it, uh, Stepan Lonkar is staying at Rijeka. Just as a, an interesting aside on what you mentioned there with the Brexit regulations, there's been a slight tweak in those. I was tweaking, speaking to someone about this the other day in that the appeal system, which was in place in January, 
is no longer in place. So if a player is on the cusp of reaching 15 points, no longer can a club appeal it. That decision that is made mm. is, is absolutely final, which means that you have to be even more sort of cautious about the amount of points that they sort of qualify for. And, and yeah, it's, it's all very complex. I think we'll see a lot of clubs struggle to get to grips with that this summer. Of course, Norwich already have experience when, when they signed Demetrius Yanoulis in January. So hopefully they'll now be aware of uh, of that process. Um, just on the mind, isn't it? Because like we saw one this week, didn't we? Um, Pedro de la Vega, who's playing for Lanús in Argentina. That's one as well that we, from what we understand, isn't something that Norwich are, are actively pursuing at the moment. It was suggested that he was a potential Emi Buendia replacement, wasn't it? But, you know, then we're digging into, is he going to qualify for the work permit? He's, you know, played for Argentina under 20 level. He's playing in the Copa Sudamerica. So that's their equivalent of the Europa League. He's playing top flight football in Argentina. He's someone who looked like he comfortably made the 15 points. But every time, basically, that we're talking about somebody who isn't already qualified to play in in Britain, <laughs> then we've got to go digging into these regulations to try and work out whether they're going to get it. Basically, the only time you can be certain is if it's somebody who's been playing Champions League or they're a regular for a country playing in the top 50 and, and things like that, if they're really a top-level player. But realistically, Norwich aren't going to be linked with too many of them this summer, let alone sign one, are they? So, yeah, we're... Um, Having fun with that. <laughs> yeah, on uh, on De La Vega and uh, there was an, another South American link, wasn't there? I think um, at some point fairly yeah. recently. Norbert That's it, yeah. Where, which is, there, there also is uh, is very little truth in. Um, it, it's worth adding that a lot of South America will be aware of two things. One, that Norwich have done a lot of work in that region in, in the last three or four years um, because of Brexit and because of that, they try to get ahead of, of people. So they've done a lot of work in, in that market. But equally, South American media more than anyone and, and agents at the moment will be aware that Norwich City have just sold an Argentinian creative midfielder for a significant chunk of money. So naturally, it's it's a, a natural link to make, isn't it, that they would look for a similar player in a similar region. Um, from from what I can gather, even though they have done a lot of work there and, and, and that's work that goes back years and they've looked at individual regions, Brazil, Argentina, um, for example, they've even looked at, at the MLS in, in, in fair fair amount of detail. Because of the Brexit regulations, of course, that is a door South America that is now open, but obviously the COVID restrictions almost closes it again because it's all very well and good having an interest in a player and a player statistically coming up on a, on a radar, but then you've got to go out and look at them in the flesh, which obviously at the moment they're not being able to do. And £7 million was the, the De La Vega fee, uh, figure that was that was reported. If you're going to put that m- amount of money into a player that you've never seen in the flesh, that's uh, too much of a gamble. So personally, I wouldn't, I'd not i be shocked if we saw anyone from South America arrive at, at, at Norwich. Uh, that's before you get into kind of all of the third-party agents and and how complex it is in in terms of character assessment and stuff like that it just seems like at the moment they're probably a way off in terms of cracking that market and in terms of finding a formula where you can take you can pluck a player out of Brazil for example and put them straight into the Premier League that's probably a little bit of a of a jump at this stage, but certainly a region that, that they're monitoring. And hopefully once the COVID restrictions do get eased a little bit, that's something that, that Norwich will find a, a little bit easier. So certainly this window, wouldn't expect too much from, from South America, but no shock is it, Dave, to see the attacking midfielders get linked from Argentina and, and, and young Argentinian midfielders because of what Norwich have done with Emi Buendia. Yeah, and that's the... It, we can look at it from an interesting context in that, as I put it in sort of the verdict in our rumour mill on that one, is that are Norwich going to bring a 20-year-old in from Argentina who, okay, he's playing at a good level and has achieved a reasonable amount, but are you going to bring him in and expect him to be the difference between staying up in the Premier League or not? That seems like a big gamble to me. We've seen many overseas players come to the Premier League, even some of the top ones, and not ever manage to find the rhythm of the Premier League. You think about someone like Diego Forlan or Juan Sebastian Veron. There's there's loads of players over the years who have come to the Premier League and it's not worked out for them. Um, so to me, I think Norwich aren't looking for a Buendia now. They're not looking for a 21-year-old who's impressed in the Spanish second tier, who in a couple of years is going to be great and you're going to sell him for 30, 40 million or whatever. They need someone who's a bit more out of the box ready can hit the ground running has got that bit of experience probably maybe even the language isn't a barrier somebody that can come into the squad and potentially fill Emmy Buendia's boots I think it's more likely I, the more I think about it I, I'm seeing Kieran Dow as the Emmy Buendia replacement uh, and I think that the 
the number 10 position could well end up being uh, Lucas Rupp or maybe even Kenny McLean, depending on how the central midfield uh, works out. And then you bring in that new man to be in that mix and hopefully he can be good as well. And he ends up being on the right or the 10 and, and works with Dowell and Cantwell. But as we keep saying, we've got what, two and a half months left of the transfer window. There's so much to speculate at this moment in time. There's a vacuum, isn't there? And um, again, as Gossie said in, in our podcast earlier in the week, you can't judge what Stuart Webber has done until what eight, 10 games into the season. And we're starting to see whether these guys have, have taken hold. But we've also seen under Farker that he's patient with players. With, with Emmy, he really eased him in, didn't he? It's not like he just bought it. You knew this is pretty much the only one who he's bought and, and used from the off, isn't he? So um, th- there's so much intrigue around everything that happens but yeah as I say I I don't see Norwich buying someone so much on potential they're going to need to be able to hit the ground more than being a couple of years off from from really fulfilling their potential yeah another element is you would hope and and this probably lends itself to what we were speaking about in terms of uh, Lonker as well at at Rijeka they're probably now in a position where they can aim slightly above those players in terms of profile in terms of fees as well they are probably in a position now where they can do that however they structure it, as we spoke about in terms of creatively um, earlier on. We've, we've spoken about Angus Gunn. Obviously, Orjan Nyland is, is the one that we expect to to depart Norwich City fairly soon. Uh, in, uh, I see lots of comments coming through in terms of incomings and, and any that are particularly imminent beyond Gunn and, and obviously the, the young Peterborough midfielder Flynn Clark, which has kind of been reported. We spoke about that last week. Um, it doesn't seem like uh, as things stand here on half past one on a on a Friday afternoon, that there's anything particularly imminent. There's plenty going on in the background, and of course, the nature of transfer windows are that things can progress very quickly. So, not an impossibility, but we're not expecting anything. Let's say in, in the next few days, are we, Dave? Not as things stand, but yeah, I always remember the Saturday when Tamo Puki arrived. Uh, it was actually Paddy's wedding day, <laughs> um, and obviously Paddy was out of action, so somebody had to spring into selfish, really, of Paddy, isn't it? <laughs> it was, um, and then um, if I remember it rightly, I, me and Michael went to the reception. Michael might have already been there. No, I took Michael with me. So, but anyway, Paddy was out of action, so I, I sprang into action, and honestly, when he arrived. I'd not really heard of Timo Pukki at all. I, I, I recognised the name from his Celtic days. But then when I saw he had 60 caps for Finland or whatever it was at the time, I was like, well, I probably should know who this guy is. <laughs> and he's played for Schalke and stuff. So that's the thing that reminds me of this time of year. Now that the transfer window is open, things can happen very quickly. Um, Angus, for instance, he gets back from holiday. They get it all agreed, signed and sealed. They might be able to get that one over the line sooner than we're expecting. Um, but yeah. Obviously, clubs like to uh, surprise everyone with a signing, don't they? So if you can if you can reveal something at Saturday on a on a three o'clock, um, then that's quite a nice time to to release a signing. But yeah, as we've heard, nothing expected this weekend. So there will certainly be something now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've we've spoken it into place now, so you can almost you can almost <laughs> yeah. expect something to happen. Um, you could. Uh, I think it's also fair to say that given what's happened this week if they had a signing in place I would imagine that they'd have been unveiled by now just from a a, a comms perspective uh someone has, has just tweeted me actually to say that um the FA have changed that rule in terms of appeals of work permits so just to qualify that that is now in the guidance that was issued on the 4th of June fair to say that the person that told me that I think told me that a couple of months ago so um the advice has, has obviously changed I don't know if the clubs have changed it or how that works but uh, the appeal element is still in place so there you go just to clarify um, a, a few other bits then then Dave to speak about a uh, link we had last Sunday first and foremost to uh, Nico Williams of course away with Wales at, at the Euros uh, Liverpool youngster was linked with with Norwich um, as as a is a fullback option wasn't he um, just talk to us a little bit about this one and, and kind of what you make of it because uh, it feels to me a lot of it and we've had Jaden Bogle a couple of weeks ago it feels like contingency planning if Max Aarons was was ever to depart the club this summer it does uh it's team talk so um they're one of the websites that I always like to say I'm not 100% sure how much to sort of trust them because they sometimes it's very clearly an agent job sometimes they're absolutely bang on the money so you can't completely ignore them but there was a lot of teams mentioned with interest in Nico Williams. Swansea and Cardiff seemed a bit of a throwaway one. I think Stoke were the other one. And I think it was Burnley um, with the other Premier League team. But he's a right back. So to be fair to him, they were saying that he would be of interest if Max Aarons were to be sold this summer. Um, we shall see how that one evolves. And that will 
I think with Max, you know, there is an ME element to it that Norwich now don't need to sell at all. They already didn't need to sell, but they can be even stronger in negotiations now, can't they? That bid for Max has got to be big and it's got to be the situation where Max says, I really want that. Because if Norwich can try and keep hold of him until January at this point, at least, then they probably will, won't they? But if one of those big, big clubs that has been linked, and there's been a lot of them, what Bayern Munich, PSG, Inter Milan, everyone basically, <laughs> his agent's been a very busy boy the last couple of years. If one of them turns up with an, a similar uh, region bid to the one that's just seen Emmy go to Villa, then, you know, Max may well feel that if he wants to get near that England squad, if he wants to start pushing up towards the top level of the game, then he needs to go now. Um, I always, you know, it, it feels a bit harsh to say, but I think a fullback is easier to replace than a player like Emmy, who's a, a bit of a unique talent in some ways, isn't he? In terms, maybe in, in Norwich City circles, um, finding a player like that to replace him, who is so creative and so skillful um, and has such top level potential is not easy whereas it, maybe you might you wouldn't be able to find someone as good as max immediately but you should be able to find a pretty sound right back who can do you a job who's got decent experience who's maybe got a bit more physicality who's, who can come in and be a safe pair of hands at, at a right back um but we'll see i might be might be proved to be wrong <laughs> in that belief um but yeah nico williams that basically they were saying that he would be one who's on the norwich list if uh, if max were to go this summer and I guess finally, before we, we get to some of the questions we've had from from all our viewers, and of course, if you've got any more, then, then get them in. We'll try and get through them. We'll probably be with you for another 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, Ollie Skip, who, of course, may, raised a lot of excitement when he was uh, pictured in, in Norwich or a week or so ago. It feels like a long time ago now after <laughs> after this week. Uh, it turns out, I, th I think uh, he was he was just getting his, his car back after some repairs or, or something like that. I think that's, that's what we've established. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly not expecting that to move before Spurs appoint a, a new manager. Looks like it's going to be um, Paolo Fonseca, who of course was 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 at um, Shakhtar Donetsk and recently left Roma, which Jose Mourinho has, has now stepped into. So get the impression that given they were linked with Antonio Conte and Maurizio Pochettino, maybe not the the, the sexy appointment, so to speak. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. It seems like he's been appointed on the basis of trying to improve the young players that they've got, which lends into a report that emerged from, from the Telegraph, Dave, that, that you did a little bit about on earlier the week. Yeah, they're, pardon me, they're appointing a sporting director who used to be at Italy, aren't they? At, at, at Juventus in yes. Italy, sorry. So you've got that link there. Um, Fonseca is the one who wore the Zorro mask in the Chateau Donetsk press conference once, wasn't he? So he's a bit of a character. But um, yeah, the Telegraph report followed on from some of the reports about Conte that one of the issues that broke down between Conte and Daniel Levy, the Tottenham chairman, was that he wouldn't commit to bringing through the Young Academy products. Now, for Spurs, obviously, they have a, a very high-profile academy success in the England captain, who's probably going to go for, what, 150 million or something uh, stupid this summer, isn't he? And, and has pretty much made clear that he wants to leave. Been a brilliant servant for Spurs, but they're not even in... Uh, well, they're in the Europa Conference League, aren't they? So uh, Harry Kane shouldn't be playing at that level. He should be in the Champions League, no doubt about it. But um, the Telegraph report said Ollie Skip and Ryan Sessignon, he also plays for England at 21s. He's a player they bought from Fulham for a, for a lot of money as well, isn't he? Um, one Championship Player of the Season. Was that the year Norwich got promoted? Uh, first time under Farquhar, I think. Um, and that Levy thinks that they put they spend so much money on their academy that, that they need to have more academy presence in their first team. They basically had Harry Winks on the fringes this year and Mourinho basically bombed him out a bit, didn't he? And Yafet Tenganga as well, who um, was restricted by injuries, to be fair. So uh, Fonseca is apparently happier to push through the uh, the youth players and that's where Skip comes in. But, you know, that, those photos that circulated of, of Skip in Norwich, that could be anything, couldn't it? He could have been... Um, you know, that might have been where he was living when he was with Norwich. He's collecting his possessions. He might have been visiting a friend. He might have been looking at a property that he's going to buy to rent out. It means nothing, does it? It's just Ollie Skip was spotted in Norwich, um, which is where he's lived for the last year. So, um, yeah, at the moment, as was in those photos, if they are accurate, which we have no real way of knowing when they were taken or anything, um, he was still wearing the boot on his ankle. Um, Tottenham had said that he was due to be fit during pre-season. Um, so until their manager is in place and until we know that he's fit, then we can't say anything for certain because he might go into pre-season and then Fonseca just doesn't fancy him as a player, doesn't see him as fitting his system. And then, of course, we know full well that Stuart Webber will be in their ear 
probably most weeks saying what's going on with Ollie, what's going on with Ollie, because even if it comes to the right at the end of the transfer window, we know Stuart doesn't like doing deadline day business, but if they can get Ollie Skip back on another season long loan, they will do whatever it takes to get Ollie Skip back on a season long loan. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be honest, Dave, I didn't have uh, the pictures of a potential signing spotted in Norwich that early in the transfer window. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. That's yeah, exactly. Spotted in Morrison's. Usually we get deeper into July before we get one of those. So that was that was a nice joy. Uh, I think it was a Sunday, wasn't it, that emerged as well. So that was that was good. Um, let's go over to, to some of your comments. Now, I think we've basically spoken through all of the rumours in, in the last week or so. So um, we may touch upon some of the points. But if there's any direct questions, say, our oh, Norwich in for X, and we've already mentioned them, then we'll, we'll probably skip past them. And um, we'll start with Dave on... YouTube, who said, hi there, would Conor Hurahan be a suitable target? He's been successful against us in the past. Uh, just left Aston Villa, hasn't he? I think he's a, uh, or he's still at Villa, but will be available this summer. Um, probably not one that you'd look at as being a Premier League player now, I, I don't think. Been a solid servant, but would imagine that he would end up back in, in the Championship. Be shocked if he didn't end up back at um, back at Swansea, to be honest. Conor Hurahan, Dave, anything to, to sort of add on him? I think he's a decent player, certainly a good Championship player, but I, I agree. I think He's not quite Premier League standard. Certainly, if you took his set pieces out of it, I don't think he is. He sort of reminds me of Harry Wilson a little bit in that regard. If if those two didn't have the set piece threat that they did, is their general play good enough um, to be in a Daniel Farker team? I'm not convinced. I mean, he'd be a, a decent addition to the squad, but at his age, I, I don't see it for Norwich, no. Cool. Uh, someone's asking where you got your wall chart from, Dave. So this is a, an opportunity for you to, to that plug That was them. World Soccer, I think. Uh, yeah, World Soccer. So, sorry, I just knocked my desk over. <laughs> um, uh, other, yeah. other wall charts are available. So they, they, uh, Yeah, that's a, you stayed loyal, haven't you? That's an EDP one. I have. Yeah, that, that came out of the EDP yesterday, I think. So that's that's Thank gone up on what was a very bare wardrobe so um yeah we'll see how long it we'll see how long it lasts um let's let's see what else we've got here uh callum howard on youtube said uh, can we have some background on oh you're gonna make me pronounce it again i haven't got my phonetic spelling this week add a bio and i thought that was decent for first try i'm not i'm not going to try that again and armstrong uh heard we're pursuing but not familiar with them um Tossin is at Fulham, isn't he? Uh, central defender was at Manchester City, been on loan at, at Blackburn. Adam Armstrong was was fairly prolific in the Championship, um, formerly at Newcastle, but but done pretty well at, at Blackburn as well. Both are players that are on Norwich's list. Of course, these lists will be long, extensive. They'll contain players from different countries in different leagues, different values, and they'll kind of work through them and, and find deals that fit. So whereabouts they're placed on the list is probably up for debate. Certainly with Adam Armstrong, I don't think that's one that will happen until probably the latter stages of, of the window. But two players with domestic pedigree, so probably no shock that, that then their sort of Norwich's interest have come out, particularly given one's been relegated and one's maybe looking to take up the, the step to the Premier League. So um, any, any more to add on, on either of those, Dave, in terms of Norwich City's pursuit of them or, or any kind of background info on them that, that maybe people wouldn't know? I'm trying to remember who the other Premier League clubs were linked. Was it Arsenal and West Ham with Adebayo? Yeah, um, who apparently has a £10 million release clause. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've seen sort of reported in, in some places this week. So they're similar in ways, aren't they? I think they're both players that Norwich would like if the finances work. But as you say, it might not be until later in the window that they become available because other teams haven't stumped up the money. So if Norwich end up being the biggest fish in the pond that are bidding for um, for Armstrong, then they might have a decent chance of doing it. We now know they've got more money to play with. They might end up with even more money to play with if they make another sale. Um, then I think most Norwich fans are in agreement that he'd be a really good addition. Uh, he's someone that's ready for the Premier League. 28 goals, wasn't it, in the Championship last year. Can play out wide as well. He's someone who, almost like Angus Gunn, uh, could be a long-term successor to Krull. Armstrong could be a long-term successor to Puki. So they they both make a, a lot of sense. But you then, if you take it round to the other side of things, does Stuart Webber want to wait? He's got to really want those players, and Daniel Farker, of course, as well, has got to really want those players um, to wait for them. Whereas I think with the way things are shaping up and maybe there's a bit of a PR game to be played there as well, there's um, not too much patience around at the moment, is that they need some bodies in the building. But Stuart isn't going to rush them through, is he, just to just to appease the fans who are getting itchy feet. Um, he, he's only going to sign players that he genuinely think are gonna, thinks are going to work out. So names that are definitely worth keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and worth noting in, in Weber's quotes yesterday after Wendy has said, yeah. he said that they can now push on with their transfer business. So I would imagine in the next few weeks, at least, we'll, we'll see probably a few arrive through the door. Um, James Robinson is is inquiring about Paddy. He says he signed for Aston Villa too, not seen him for a while. He's had a, a couple of weeks off on annual leave. He'll be back next week, James. He's definitely not with his Coventry connections, definitely not gone to Villa. I can, I can assure you um, of that. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in terms of the comments. Uh, Keith Shaw said any news on Aya, sort of as you were really. We got, brought you those quotes last week in terms of him from, from the Norwegian camp saying that his intention is to leave Celtic this summer. No doubt that will be that will be sort of advice from his agent in terms of putting himself out there. Lots of clubs interested, depending on what you believe, from Bayer Leverkusen to AC Milan, although it seems they've now dropped their interest because they've, they've signed Tamori. So again, maybe one where Norwich have to time their run to an extent as, we, as we've just been um, speaking about. It's an interesting one from, from Craig Brooks on YouTube who said, what's happening with Louis Thompson? Uh, does he have a future? Because uh, when he did play, he looked class and also Sam Byram. Um, Byram is one that we're hopefully expecting to be fit for the start of pre-season, which would be a massive boost and would probably mean that um, Norwich don't need to sign an additional left-back option to, to Dimitri Shinoulis, um and, and will obviously allow them to to put Sam McCallum back out on loan, which is certainly the attention at the moment. He, he spent last season with, with MK Dons. Doesn't look like at this point that his, his Norwich career is kind of fixable. I wonder whether it'll be about maybe sorting out his future this summer with, with a permanent move. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, probably. I mean, as things stand, given that Kenny McLean might not even be fit for the start of pre-season, although he's going to be on the Beeb, isn't he? He's been signed up as a pundit for the Scotland games. They haven't they haven't made it totally clear, but I think he'll be in the TV studio for their game on Monday when they play Czech Republic. Um, but they have got it on Five Live as well. So whether he's going to be on the radio commentary or TV, it's not quite clear. But yeah, keep a, keep an eye out for that. But we don't know if he'll be fit. Um, we presume Rupp will, but he missed the end of the season with that hamstring problem, didn't he? And that it was something that they, you know, they need to go back to a specialist and get assessed. It's something that they were concerned about. Um, so that just leaves Jacob Sorensen. <laughs> so as things stand, you probably need Melvin City, Daniel Adshead and Louis Thompson in, a, in the preseason mix. But hopefully by the, in, in you know, a month's time when they're starting to think about games, they will have some fresh options because, Central midfield is, is clearly a bit of a concern at the moment with Teti, Vranjic and Skip all gone. Um, so it will be interesting to see how that develops. But I don't, from everything we've heard, Louis Thompson's not going to be coming back into it. It looks more likely that at the least it will be alone because they gave him a new contract, didn't they? I think he's under contract until 2023, if I'm remembering that correctly. And that that happened when he just, he was... Getting into the team, wasn't it, in the start of 2018-19? Because Daniel Farker likes him as a player, doesn't he? He likes his ability and his attitude. And then he did his shoulder against Villa. And then he did his Achilles. And we don't need to go over all of Louis' injury problems because you, you just got to feel sorry for the poor chap. I mean, it's a bit like Matt Jarvis. Just It got to that point where he's just constantly getting problems and you feel sorry for him. But you would have thought it's more likely if, if, if you could let him go to MK Dons permanently and he's happy to do that and he can get a new contract there or someone like MK Dons, that would seem more likely at this stage, I'd have thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, someone's asked about Josh Martin and, and Pacheto. I think we've spoken about those two before in terms of loans and, and maybe even open to to option uh, to permanent options if, if the right one came about. Mateus Pereira, who uh, was a name that dominated our Q&A on Monday, from, if, if memory serves. Uh, not really sure where those reports have surfaced, but not a player that is on Norwich City's radar at, at this moment in time uh, but he can't be can he he's just too expensive i don't know where the, yeah. the links have come from he scored 11 goals in the premier league this season and seven assists he's west brom's best player he's he's got to be worth similar value to Wendia. so i don't really understand why anyone's talking about him he's he, not a realistic option for norwich at all of course they'd have him if they could afford him <laughs> but um I just, yeah just don't know where it's come from really yeah, absolutely. Uh, Joe Hinchcliffe on YouTube has said, afternoon, lads. Apologies if this has been discussed already. I only just tuned in. I don't think it has, Joe, so I think you're, you're fine. Uh, do you think there is any chance of a formation slash style change, something more synonymous with staying up? I think mm. it's, it's clear, isn't it, that Norwich are looking for physical players, well, maybe not physical in terms of big and tall and, and strong and stuff like that, but players who workmanlike they can run hard and fast we, they've obviously got this new bit of kit that allows them to analyze uh, potential new signings in terms of their physical data so that's going to be key to ensure in terms of 
signing players that have the athleticism to cope with the Premier League. It's not just about sheer size. We're not going to see Norwich sign a load of six foot three players and become Stoke under Tony Pulis from over a decade ago or whatever. But maybe stylistically, we will see them become a little bit more physical and a little bit more workmanlike. I think that's probably fair to say. But in terms of fundamentally in the way that Daniel Farker likes to play, and we've all seen that through the last three or four years that, that he's been here, they will stay the same, won't they? It will just be whether Norwich defensively um, solidify themselves, I suppose, with, with the new guys that they bring in. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we talked about this over the years, whether they'll use three at the back? We even talked about it last summer, didn't we? When will they go to a three at the back as they stabilise in the championship? And they didn't. That is Daniel Farker's plan A, isn't it? And he has stuck with it the vast majority of the time. He did play three at the back sometimes in the first season, didn't he, with Zimmerman, Hanley and, and closer. But he always seemed to not like the way that it limited your attacking threat. Um, one thing that we probably can, can add to what we were saying on Buendia earlier is that they are probably going to notice that defensive side of his game being a big miss for them as well. You think how tenacious he was and how uh, hard he worked to win the, the ball further up the pitch. So if Kieran Dow was to be that answer on the right, that's one side of the game that he would have to step up quite a bit, wouldn't he? Uh, whoever comes in has got to sort of take on that defensive mantle as well. But I mean, me personally, I think that three at the back should be more of an option. It should be something that you can switch to mid-game if you're you know, winning 1-0 at Burnley or whatever and you need to see out the game for the last 15 minutes, it should be something that's a bit um, more in place. And, and Daniel does do that occasionally. We've seen him move Max Aarons to, to left wing back at times and even O'Neill Hernandez play wing back, haven't we? So, um, yeah, but where we sit with it, I think we're all expecting and, and think that they should be bringing in another centre-back um, just because of the injury issues for Gibson, Hanley and Zimmerman in the past. Omobamadeli is going to be in the mix as well nowadays, isn't he? Because he he's really impressed them. And he, there may be a loan at some point in his future, but we're not expecting it to be um, during this window necessarily. So, yeah, if you had a new man, say, uh, that you spent decent money on, and then you've got Gibson, Hanley and Zimmerman uh, with Omobamadeli, then you've got the option to play three at the back if, if needs be, haven't you? But, um, yeah, we've talked about it a lot. And Daniel Farker just carries on playing 4-2-3-1. <laughs> it definitely does. Well, maybe a variation of 4-1-4-1 we see occasionally, don't we? But it <laughs> yeah. never seems to quite work. And every so often it comes out for a game. But uh, but there we go. Um, it's worked, to be fair. They just romped to the championship title yeah. for the second time in his reign. So who are exactly. we to judge? <laughs> exactly. Who, who are we to judge? Who are we to judge? Uh, Liam Weaver on Facebook has said on Emmy Buendia, uh, Connor Sash Dave, do you think the club will try and get a like-for-like -like replacement for Emmy, or maybe try something a little bit different? I've, I've kind of spoken about this before. I think even last week we spoke about this in terms of my theory is that they'll maybe try and strengthen collectively rather than try and get someone who is as good as Buendia because I'm not sure that's a feasible or sort of um, even realistic option with, with the money they have available this summer. So feels to me like they may go for four or five players that collectively strengthen the team rather than one who's going to shine perhaps in the same way that, that Emmy Buendia did. What were kind of your thoughts on terms of how they might approach that Emmy Hole? You, you spoke about Kieran Dow earlier, for example. Yeah, I, I think that has got to be the approach and, and possibly why we may still see Max go. I, it doesn't say, I mean, Todd hasn't even been linked with anyone yet this summer, has he? So it feels more to me like we're moving towards possibly new contract territory with, with Todd, but probably with an agreement of, you know, if there's relegation or, or maybe even whatever happens next summer, he's OK to explore his options because it feels like Todd is, with Emmy going, takes on a different complexion and he is now even more, he's already a very important player, but an even more important player for Norwich this year. And he could be a big part of them dealing, uh, replacing the creative elements of it. But yeah, I, I think selling one player for big money, maybe two players for even more money and then bringing in five or six players of a decent value, maybe around the 10 million mark or something feels like it may not be the, um, preferable way to do it it may not be the most attractive way to do it it may mean that Norwich don't quite play as good football but it might just mean they're that bit more solid across the board which I think we have to get our heads around 
I've said this a few times now, is that we all know the step up is huge. The step up in quality is absolutely massive from the Championship to the Premier League. Norwich are not going to be able to enjoy the sort of football that they enjoyed last season. It's not going to be free scoring. It's not going to be win after win after win. It's going to be a survival battle of some form. OK, they may do really well and get into mid-table uh, and manage to stay just clear of the relegation zone. But they're not going to be competing for Europe or anything, are they? I think we can say that with almost certainty. So it's going to be a very difficult, a different season. And they will need to be able to grind out points because we saw that that painful, painful period, what was it November slash December, of that last Premier League season when they kept getting ahead of teams, they kept getting themselves into good positions, but they weren't good enough to hold on to the three points or even to draw enough games to keep themselves in the mix. And obviously there was an injury element to that as well, but you never know. None of them want to see Emmy go. We all, we all would love to see him stay and, and fire Norwich to the top half of the table. But if Stuart Webber can spend that money wisely and make the um, broader squad raise the quality bar, just that significant level enough to survive, then it will have paid off. This is where, for me, the reference to Burnley becomes even more interesting from Stuart Webber. Not in terms of style of football, but just in terms of the way they've built their way to kind of Premier League sustainability. They haven't spent loads of money. They've got a real tight core, a real small squad that Sean Dyche relies upon. Um, and, and that is essentially what's, what gets them security every year in, in the top flight, doesn't it? So I guess to kind of go back to the last question that, that Joe asked in terms of style change, stylistically, I think it will probably have to change because of the reasons that you kind of say there. They're not going to go into a game against the the big boys in the Premier League, against most sides in, in the Premier League and enjoy the majority of possession. So I think inevitably there is going to have to be a tweak and a change and they are going to have to become more solid and become better when they have the ball and, and they're used to the ball rather than having a lot of the ball in the Championship and dominating the same way. So it's going to be fascinating, I think, come mm. um, August to, to see just how they line up in the Premier League and what sort of squad they have in terms of profile and and whether we're, we're looking at it the same way we did after Project Restart when we had those drinks breaks and we're thinking, blimey, every, every, it looks like the sort of land of giants every time an opposing team rocks up at, at Carrow Road. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see if that is the case or whether there's a bit more balance in terms of, of what Norwich do. But we're only two days into the transfer window. feels like yeah. we've, um, we've, we're about two months into it. Sorry, Dave, go on if, if you want to add well, something. I think we've seen the, the foundations laid for that this season, haven't we, and how much better they were defensively. So, you know, when we mentioned Burnley, of, of course, we don't mean Norwich are going to start playing hoofball. Uh, they're not going to start being... Uh, it, it, stylistically the same as Burnley on the pitch. But we we literally saw that with Robbie Brady, didn't we? They bought him from Norwich for 13 million. And that's the sort of signing they continue to build year after year. Chris Wood, I think they spent about 15 million on, didn't they? Um, so the way that they did it as pretty much a self-funded club, they I think maybe their owners had a bit more money than, than Delia and Michael do, but I, I don't think they were benefactors by any stretch of the imagination where they burnt, Burnley earned their money and they did the yo-yo period and they stuck with Sean Dyche and all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that the defensive tweak has already been done and um, the, the the midfield, you know, if that skipped back, then great. But whatever, that midfield needs to be really solid and really protect the back four if it is going to be a back four most of the time. Um, but we, we know that, that the core of the squad is essentially, but hopefully the sort of the spine almost is going to be intact. So you would hope that the majority of those things will carry on from this season. And there's no doubt about it that Daniel Farker and Stuart Webber learned those lessons from that horrible Premier League season. So um, I think that every, most Norwich fans feel that Stuart Webber and Daniel Farker ha, are in that position also. Of, they've proved themselves at championship level. They're above that level now. Now it's about them proving that they belong in the Premier League because Stuart has spoken about that Daniel will manage in the Champions League one day. Now they've got to start proving it, haven't they, if it's going to ever happen. Absolutely. And if you want some options, someone might have to correct me on the exact wording of this stat. But I think, I think I've got it right, which is when a club has, has come down or been relegated from the Premier League, kept with the manager and got promoted again. I think there's only four teams to ever do it. And all of them have stayed up in the subsequent year in the Premier League, their second year. Someone might have to double check that. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what I read a, a while ago. And it was a while ago. So I'm I'm kind of um, I'm kind of saying it there. To all the people that come in later and asking about X player, chances are we've already discussed them. Paul has asked about the Bosnian midfielder. We discussed him earlier on. So um, when we finish in about a minute or so, if if you 
sort of rewind the video, you'll be able to watch it on our Facebook page, YouTube page, Twitter page as well in full, so you can you can see what we said. But um, but but no, no, no doing in terms of that Bosnian midfielder, um, Paul. I think that's a, that's about it, Dave, for for this week. Um, it's been a bit, it's been a busy one, not for transfer reasons. Um, it's been an eventful one, an interesting one, obviously a very important one as well in terms of fan power, and and we've seen that displayed again. It's been. Uh, uh, really quite something so um, I'm, I'm off for a lie down for a week it'll be it'll be yourself and Paddy next week um, bringing you all the all the transfer latest I'm going to sit in a, in a room and not think about Asian betting companies for a while that's that's sort of my plans um, and, and enjoy enjoy the Euros thank you all very much for watching Dave thank you very much for, for joining me Pinkin.com of course for all the latest and we'll see you again very very soon <laughs>